0: Hello Cryptonauts! Welcome back to another episode of Cryptocurrency Chat. I am happy to bring you an amazing episode with a few guests. First of all, we do have the infamous Jake Jabrelli with us and our new guest, Mike. We are all excited to join together in this episode to bring you some good information on Wall Street bets. Alright, with that said, let's get started with today's episode.
1: Alrighty. Well, uh, yeah, we did talk about wall street bets in the last episode in the day. Um, but we have new information, which if we'd had our guests that we were planning, he would have been here, be able to talk about that, but I think we can still cover it. Um, <laughs> I know I have my opinion. I don't not try to put Mike, you on the spot I'm not. I'm trying to really not. I want to get your opinion on wall street bets because, um, I have my own unique perspective on this. I know we were kind of talking about this before the, the show, but uh, uh, a lot of people seem to be really angry with Robin Hood. What say you?
2: Um, oof. Well, I have not been able to withdraw funds that I deposited on Saturday and I tried this morning and still oh, won't man. pull them. So <laughs> that's, that's my awesome. opinion on that. That's I awesome. also, uh, I had a buy order in for 145, on GameStop, and that was when it was above 145, and I put that order in on Monday, I think, and then it dropped down at some point in the week and then went back up to, like, 240 or something, and I got an email from Robin Hood saying they canceled my buy order. Oh, So, yeah, you all know... Bad. That's not bad. So you I might actually a, have some some skin in this uh,
1: class action, then.
2: Um, A little bit, but... <laughs> I, I don't know, man. It's just the wildest stuff. I, like, never my whole life would I think I would say those words and not be lying, that a large exchange would do that. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Um,
0: so, so Mike, you're definitely right in the, the Wall Street bets train. Um,
2: obviously, there's
0: you've had your ups and downs. Are you are you in a positive, negative? Can you say that? I mean, I don't really want to. In
2: um, I have one stock of GameStop right now. That I bought for solidarity, and I'm, I'm probably going to pass that down on to any future children I have. Respect. Nice. <laughs> this is the stock from the great 2021 <laughs> squeeze, you know.
0: Yeah, nice.
2: But nice. but short of that, I, I got some uh, lower buy orders in. I, I went on to Charles Schwab and put in another order at 145. So hopefully something happens. If not, yeah.
1: And and did you do with the cryptos that were involved with Robinhood? Were you involved with the Doge or anything else that they stopped on
2: that? I I would never, ever buy crypto on Robinhood. (laughs) Like that just seems like a really bad idea. Yeah.
1: Well, you can't sell. You can't, I mean, you can't trade
2: out. Yeah. Can't trade out. You're stuck with Robinhood. That's that's the same thing with PayPal. That's why I won't do PayPal. I'll only buy crypto on exchanges. that will let me pull that crypto off the exchange.
1: Exactly. Mm -hmm. Same here. I can't can't stand that they're so restrictive with it. I mean, I kind of understand the reasoning, but at the same time, it's like, this is not true crypto. You're kind of trying to force it into the fiat market and that's not appropriate. And I think if you bought GameStop, let's say it was a different stock. Let's say it was um, uh, Berkshire Hathaway. Yeah, like you're going to do that. But um, (laughs) let's say you bought Berkshire Hathaway for $345,000 in a stock. And uh, they said, no, you have to keep it here. Yeah, they'd be shut down pretty quick. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. You would think, but now I don't. I not trust anything.
1: Yeah, it's very questionable. It's it's strange, uh, but I totally I uh, totally understand. It's it's, it's it's it's. I don't even know what the word is to describe how angry you can make people. I think that's the whole point of the class action lawsuit. But.
0: Um, All right, so there's an article out here by uh, what is that Tesla Rady.
1: Tesla Rady, Do- yeah,
0: Tesla Rady. You know, like Illuminati, but it's Tesla (laughs) Roddy. Oh, nice, nice, nice. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and read this article. It's titled, Elon Musk gets Robinhood CEO to, quote, spill the beans on trade restrictions. Now, this is a big thing that everybody wants to know the answer to. What the heck happened with Robinhood? Why did it shut down? No one's talking. All right, so it looks like Elon Musk, with his magic wand, was able to get the, the CEO to spill the beans.
1: I mean, I
2: guess right. you know,
1: they're both on the same level. I mean, even though um, Vlad isn't worth nearly as much as Elon's worth, um, they're still kind of in a similar boat. I'm sure Elon has probably used the Robinhood app at some point, just just to test it out. He doesn't need yeah. to buy from them, but I mean, it's just another you know exchange. But yeah, um, yeah let, uh, let me go ahead
0: and read this read this little piece here. See what see what kind of information we can uh, extract out of this article. So it starts off with who is it written by Joey Clender. Mm-hmm. Tesla CEO Elon Musk con- convinced Robinhood frontman Vlad Tenev to spill the beans regarding spontaneous trade restrictions on stocks during a clubhouse meeting on Sunday evening. Tenev has been under heavy fire from retail investors who use the Robinhood platform for trading ever since subreddit Wall Street Bets has caused several publicly traded companies to skyrocket in value in a pushback against large hedge funds. Quote, what happened last week? Why can't people buy the GameStop shares? People demand an answer and want to know the details and the truth, Musk, who took on a spokesperson for the people's role, said to to Tenev. After Wall Street bets, Reddit subreddit performed a coordinated buying efforts on the stocks that were being shorted on Wall Street hedge funds. Shares of GameStop skyrocketed, currently trading at $253. Shares were as high as $483 at one point. A far a far cry from the sub-level $3 trading during the summer of 2020. Can you believe that? $3 less than 12 months ago. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yep. Um, let's see. Tenev claims that the company had, quote, no, had no choice on what to do when the platform shut down the possibility of buying certain stocks after receiving a call from the National Securities Clearing Corporations on Thursday morning. Tenev's sleep was interrupted by a request from around $3 billion. Musk asked what the reasoning for the sudden capital demand was, and Tenev said he's still trying to put together the pieces. Quote, like, (laughs) it seems a little weird that you all of a sudden get a $3 billion demand and at 3 o'clock in the morning, just out of nowhere, the Tesla CEO said, according to Yahoo. So it was unprecedented activity. I don't have the full context of what was going on. What's going on with the end? NSCC to make these calculations, tenev said to Musk. Eventually, the three billion dollar capital raise was negotiated down to less than fifty percent of that figure. Robinhood and the S and uh, the NSCC landed on one point four billion dollars, a slightly easier amount of money to attain. All right, let's go ahead and chop that down.
1: I'm glad to see that somebody knows they can get one point four billion dollars that quickly. I'd love to be able to do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, well, I mean, nine.
1: anytime. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh anything else out
1: of there? Uh there's one a couple more things, but I mean I think you get to the gist of it. It sounds like the uh of I don't even know if, if this article is so uh re- revealing as it is just, you know, Elon Musk kind of pinning it to to Vlad. Um and Vlad going, Oh, I don't know <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um I I can't give too much insight other than what I've read to some degree. Uh, there was a video I kind of, I didn't watch all of it. It was kind of a, uh, some other talking head talking about what Vlad was saying. Um, but per, per their estimation of what's going on is that the history of the stock market is that things don't move this quickly. Typically. I mean, we've already seen what happens when, uh, an exchange, like the one exchange I was using, which is Bittrex, when they put their wallet on, uh, Maintenance when the, the, oh. the uh, volatility of the coin is really high. Um, but it's yeah. the same what? thing here. It's when there's ha- super high volatility, the exchange can't necessarily cover that kind of interaction that quickly. The, Computers yeah, can right. cover yeah. it, but they can't cover it with actual cash. They can't transfer out a billion dollars or $10 billion like uh, is technically possible with something like Bitcoin or with Ethereum. You know, if you want to transfer, $3 billion of, of Ethereum or $3 billion of Bitcoin to someone else, do it. You know you can do it right now if you have that mm-hmm. kind of money. Um, whereas traditional fiat uh, uh, exchanges, they, they might have that kind of money, but they certainly don't want it to leave their house. <laughs> yeah. So they're going to be like, ah, 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 breaks on, please stop. And it's like, no, this is how trading works now. I know you guys don't understand it, but that's not, uh, was it uh, hope and and compliance or not compliance? I'm trying to think what the the phrase is. It's like uh, you don't necessarily have to know what the rules of the land are to have to be governed, to be governed by them. So eh, it's a new, it's a new all new world, right? And things are changing and you're not ready for it. And that's why we're having this weird problem.
0: Yeah. So I want to read the last little paragraph here, because you did mention um, on the previous uh, episode in regards to Citadel, so huh. there, it does. It does mention it here Mike. at the bottom.
2: My to kids, be... have to say. Oh no, no. I, okay. I just I, I've been really anti Citadel for a few years.
1: Hmm. You've <laughs> been pissed at Citadel. Gotcha. Okay.
2: Yeah. Not not pissed. Just not not a fan. Right. Uh, not at all.
1: Yeah, there are well. Anyways, continue on. Sorry, John.
0: All right, no, no worries. Uh, the uh, last little paragraph. To be fair, this is a quote. To be fair we were able to open and service our customers. 24 hours later, our team raised over a billion in capital so that when we do open on Monday morning, we'll be we'll be able to kind of relax these stringent position limits that we put on these securities on Friday, Tenev said. This was a clearinghouse decision, and it was just based on the capital requirements. So from our perspective, Citadel and other market makers weren't involved in that. So... There you go.
1: Right, well, that answers that question. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm still skeptical. I'm not trying to play the devil's advocate of conspiracy theory here, but uh, I know it sounds like that. Um, but I get the impression there is there is pressure. Now, I will make this point. Something that happened, I think it was it in the crash of 28 or 29 in the you know, last century, um, when, when things started falling really, really fast, banks don't necessarily have all that cash on hand. So once they give all your money out, they don't have any more money to give, even though they might have accounts mm-hmm. that say that they have that kind of money. Now, certain federal r- rules require you to hold a certain amount of money in the bank in order to cover as much of the, I think it's twenty-five percent of the total amount of um, cash on yeah. the on the books for the bank. Right. Twenty-five percent, and then the government will eventually with. FICO will cover the rest, right hundred thousand dollar coverage up to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um I don't think Robinhood had that much cash on hand. So that's the reason they were saying once we raised this you know one and a half billion dollars in cash, then we could t- start trading up again, you know because of the of the number of stocks that were moving, and so they're like, well, we can't you know how we give the money back to people who are selling if we don't have the cash on hand? like I said, most trading houses don't have the cash on hand, so it's like if uh let's say binance had a, a huge spike, which they did. In fact, one of the biggest trading houses for Doge recently has been Binance on four different, uh, uh, what's it called, uh, pairs. Mm-hmm. And uh, if people decide that they want to start taking money out in uh, USDT or in uh, you know fiat currency, you know, Hong Kong dollars or US dollars or something, they have to have the money on hand. Well, what if what if a billion dollars goes out the door because people want to trade trade out from those to, back to those dollar types? What if they don't have it on hand? What are they going to do? Well, they're probably going to get sued if they don't have it, but they have to give all this money. And if they become completely cashless, they can't support all the other stuff they have in-house. I uh, will argue from that standpoint that it sounds like it's a legitimate, you know, reasonable perspective that Vlad Tenev is, is talking about. You know, they just don't have yeah. enough money on hand.
0: Yeah, um, I see that, and, and, I, and I and I get your point, and and I can relate. I I can compare this to uh, some blockchain companies out there. I, I'm not going to say any names, but there's some blockchains that have one under specifically for this type of method. What do they call it? They call it um, uh, I forgot the word. Where where they everybody pretty much goes in, buys everything up, and and liquidates everything within the within the blockchain just to devalue even more. Where there's it's 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 not even worth trying to get into it because it's so worthless that awesome. the blockchain that is supposed to bring a lot more value, supposed to bring innovation, all of a sudden lost all their money that they fundraised. Now they can't do anything with it because everybody just manipulated the system and just took everything out of it.
1: That's, yeah, I saw, I saw that done with, with Gala, with Gala coin. Um yeah. They, they... there's a lot of
0: blockchains out there that, that people do that all the time it's it's sad because i see some really good projects out there with blockchain i go hey man this is going to be a really good pro- project coming out a good protocol a good blockchain a good so-and-so a good a good company but then there's other people that just they that's their full intention they'll just get together They're, just like wall street bets they'll get together they'll go and they'll, they'll hit it hard and siphon everything they can out of it and, yep. and get out and then leave nothing for that after they did yeah, all the work. Basically
1: just yeah, suck all the work out or suck all the, the value out of it. Yeah. yeah. I know I know what you're talking about. It's a kind of a smashing grab. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is unfortunate when people do that. I mean, th- but this is, I, I almost wonder if the intent, the intent versus what actually happens, right? The intent, I speculating here of regulation was to keep that, some things like that from happening, right? We, on, we mm. only make rules based on the errors that we have. The best example I can think of is, is uh, the airline industry. You know, unfortunately, some people had to die for better rules to be written and enforced. Wow. Well, yeah. unfortunately, some ICOs had to die for better rules to be written and enforced. The difference is, it's not one nation making the rules up. It's the people who are involved in the idea of cryptocurrency that are making the rules up. And we all know to some degree that we don't want to get screwed. So we make rules to make it so that people can't do that to us. Hopefully the next coin that comes along can't be just siphoned dry.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. and if it ever is hacked or manipulated, now there's this thing called crypto insurance there you go that's, that's a new thing coming out at uh, 2021 trust me all these blockchains are all going to be backed by crypto insurance if they don't have already their own heavy bag uh, then they're going to end up getting uh, some crypto insurance you'll
1: see yeah no I have, have heard heard of crypto insurance the fellow I talked to out here in, in the Sac Metro area who was doing that I didn't really talk to him much because I thought it was the most silly thing ever but I it, it <laughs> might might it might work <laughs> I think you talked about it last uh, last podcast maybe you could relay uh, again
0: yeah briefly yeah we briefly mentioned it it was in regards to uh actually it was off air we talked about it off air right, um, right. It, w- it was in regards to um uh, there's nfts so new blockchains that are coming out new protocols that are coming out that are looking to maintain the value of their protocol or their blockchain say for example there's a company that comes out and they have an, a fantastic blockchain that's gonna be part of the future awesome and it's worth a hundred million dollars awesome well they 're telling a lot of people that have not moved into the block and onto the platform yet they 're encouraging them to say, "Hey, if you come to our blockchain, we can promise you that if you buy our token, we do have insurance. The insurance is backed up on the blockchain itself as well by an nft so nft contractors will create an nFT which is, which is already submitted on the blockchain that is valued at one hundred million dollars specifically contracted to this blockchain company. So that if, if it ever is hacked or if it ever is siphoned off or manipulated, the, your 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 crypto will be returned for what you paid for it. That's awesome. That's just going to tell me, you know what, I trust this company a whole lot more. I'm yeah. definitely going to get into this.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely, it gives more efficacy to the, to the company when you know because you can see it on the blockchain. You can see, oh, they definitely have it there. It's definitely sitting right there. I can, I can see it in the, in the blockchain explorer um, that it is legit. So yeah, it would, it would, it would be, I mean, why did we do the member FDIC uh, idea with the banks when you see member FDIC on a bank window, then you know that they're protected up to a hundred thousand dollars on, on your account. Yeah. Uh, by the U S government. So if they have an insurance of that same sort and they can guarantee your, your investment, then you'd be much more willing to hand your whatever over
0: your private keys. Give me your private keys. <laughs> No, don't do that. Don't ever yeah, don't, do that. Don't do that. Not don't e- ever do that, yes. Not I- even – okay, look, here's here's some here's <laughs> some, some cryptonaut wisdom. Even if you have an empty bag, do not give your private keys out to anybody that's saying that they, they're willing to pay you for an empty bag. Don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. Uh, there's more information on the – there's more information in your wallet than you think there is.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So be careful with that. Don't do it.
1: Yep, yeah, I made that mistake, and I made a video on it. And yeah. <laughs>
0: You want you want to talk about it because we, actually we've been getting a lot of new listeners in on the podcast. So just go ahead and bring that up because you did mention that. But this is we're talking centuries ago now. Yeah, uh, the podcast did, continues to grow. I did
1: made the make the mistake last year. Um, in uh, last year was it, I can't remember. Oh, it was a while ago, where I made a video and accidentally scrolled over my private keys while making the video, <laughs> and some person paused the video, copied the information out and stole uh, not a whole lot of ETH from me, but basically compromised my ETH account. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it, at first I didn't realize it. I, I thought I'd been hacked because I was like, how else could anybody have gotten this stuff? I didn't realize I'd, done a, I'd made a stupid decision. But, um, video. <laughs> but yeah, once I went back and reviewed it and actually did the video, I was like, oh my gosh, I actually did. I put my private keys out there. So I immediately took that video down, but it was too late by that point. Um, yeah. and then I left that, that I got hacked video up because I hate to say it, but I got hacked phrase is good clickbait. Uh, and, uh, that video received almost 10,000 views before I took it down. So, um, I will say all that nice. it's kind of a shameless thing to say because I realized after a while if enough people started getting on my case about, it, I was like, Hey, why'd you put this up? You're totally lying. I'm like, all right, fine. Taking the video down. <laughs> so, um, Hey
0: Mike, you there? Yeah you are there mike don't be sleeping on the job come on i'm, I'm here yeah, i'm just enjoying <laughs> all right let me ask you something you ever been hacked i i, I don't really want to uh talk too much and, and reveal too much about you because I, I i'm i'm saving you for friday i'm definitely gonna bring you <laughs> on friday, okay so that's we're gonna talk a lot about you on friday but for now just hey i want to bring you into the conversation have you ever been hacked
2: i mean that define that depends on how you define hacked. i uh I hacked myself once by losing my keys. Ooh, okay. <laughs> I thought I was being clever with the security system and uh, then I couldn't open it. So that, that's, a, that's the only one that really comes to mind. You didn't
1: lose $225 million, did you?
2: No. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that nothing,
1: was in the news uh, recently. So yeah, um, yeah I uh, another feeling I, I've never misplaced my keys uh, because I use a system that's pretty pretty foolproof at least for my expense but like i said it was it was for that sense for my for my having posted my own private keys and it was just you know it's it's it was a sense of wanting to share with uh with my audience and uh, mm-hmm. my audience isn't all 100 percent trustworthy in fact i you know i honestly thought that if if i was going to do something one of my more honest uh subs or or viewers would say hey you probably want to take that video down nobody said that so nobody did huh um, yeah, I had to learn the hard way, which is good because I learned. I had a learning yeah. experience. Um, also, don't cross uh, the Oracle, <laughs> which uh, we don't have to talk about. But uh, yeah, there was a guy out there who's who's basically a scammer, who um, I borrowed his technique and started posting it my own as my own. And he uh, what was it called um, uh, copyright claimed all my videos. Mm. Yeah, it's harsh. I mean it's something that it happens a lot on YouTube, unfortunately, uh yeah. because DMCA just doesn't work on behalf of the creator uh unless you have a lot of money. Like a hedge fund manager. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: um, no. Uh, yeah.
0: That's why I like blockchain, man. That's why library is awesome. I like oh, library yes. because there's so much more free it, it, library does truly remind me of the of the beginning of what YouTube was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's yeah. freedom on. on Except library. with
1: with the knowledge of the last fifteen years of what not to do. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Don't yeah, don't put your
1: yeah. The smart. I mean, yes, library is amazing. You can put whatever you want up there, and the only thing they can do is basically kick you off the main site, but your content will still be up there. You know, mm-hmm. content will still be available to everyone who wants to watch it, even if you're technically bra- breaking DMCA law you know but i mean dmca law doesn't doesn't apply anywhere except the united states and possibly europe so if you're doing yeah. this in a southeast asian country you're off the hook unless now, that library, country is
0: <laughs> library yeah. is a protocol on top of which blockchain I
1: honestly which don't app-
0: know. you don't know uh, no cuz i don't i don't think it's its own block it's definitely not its own blockchain it's a protocol it's a... on top of on top of ethereum i think it is
1: no it's not it's it, i know what the the oh, shoot I can't remember what the actual um, blockchain it is. Um, something Kai. Something. What is that called? I had a miner for it for a while. It's a. It's a multi miner. Oh. Uh. I. I can't remember what the name of it is. But no, it's. It, it's. I, I don't believe it's on top of Ethereum.
2: So. Okay. That'd probably be really expensive on top of Ethereum. Yeah.
0: I'm kind of curious. Can one of you guys pull that up while we continue talking? Yeah, I'm trying to find it. Let's see here. So freedom of distributing information on blockchain is amazing. I love that. I love the community that's willing to help you. I don't know if you guys ever worked on any projects yourself and actually reached out to a lot of the community. If you definitely want to um, improve your skills, there's a lot of people out there willing to help you out. I'm not. I'm not a programmer by any means. I do this just as out of hobby, and I ask a lot of questions, and I go through trial and error, try to figure. I just want to bring code alive, and so once it starts working, I'm like, I did it. It finally said hello to me. It said it finally said hello world.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's BAIKIL. B A I K I L. That's the the um, algorithm for um, library.
0: Oh, wow. Really? That's interesting.
1: And it's a combination of their website. It says, uh, library uses a mix of SHA-512, SHA-256, and RIPE-MD hash functions in its algorithm to put its most simple terms. Mining enables secure and fast LBC transactions. So it's actually not – because library went up in value recently, it's actually become slightly profitable to actually mine by right now. I'm assuming I'm pronouncing that right because it's B-A-I-K-A-L, K-A-L. By Kyle. By Um, And I, I had a minor for it and I was doing it early on before I really understood what <laughs> what library was. Um, but yeah, library's libraries been a boon, an amazing boon because once I, I actually knew about it before I got uh, copyright claimed and then I was just like, okay, I need a way to, to secure my content without anybody able to to false copyright strike me. And now, uh library is that way.
0: Does library use IPFS?
1: Honestly, I don't know.
0: Okay. So that that would be that's for me the future. That is web three right there.
2: IPFS yeah. is web three. Thousand percent yes.
0: Yeah web three is the future. That's for a whole different topic, a different episode that we can definitely get into deep detail in regards to web three. That is the future of the internet, right now we got so. m- we got massive issues with the internet in regards to botnet and ddosing attacks. Um, but with Web three, that's virtually not it
1: non-existent. It's an interesting channel or page on their fact page that library has regarding IPFS and BitTorrent. Um, I never seen this. It's interesting. I, mean, I d- honestly don't know m- m- enough about IPFS to to say. I mean. Uh, oh man! But when's, their, when's he... their, their commentary here is, uh, however, it says, IPFS and BitTorrent are wonderful technologies from which library has drawn a lot of inspiration. However, they both suffer from the same problems. One, lack of discovery. BitTorrent and IPFS provide decentralized ways to access a unique piece of data or information, but they do not provide a way to discover or find what is available. Lack of monetization. Neither BitTorrent nor IPFS innately support payments to publishers for the content or data that they create Published on the network, while Library does no identity on Library publishes, uh, L B R Y. Anyways, publishes publishers can be authoritatively or provably issued by a cryptographically secured identity, and then ugly URLs. I understand that <laughs> um, BitTor- BitTorrent mm-hmm. only provides a very long and complex uh, magnet URL, and IPFS supports human-friendly naming via IPNS, but as a sort of after-the-fact hack. Library URLs tells you what is on the other side before you click on them. Kind of helpful. And then incentive programs. I'm not going to go away well, They have more stuff on this page. But, I mean, that that tells me a lot right there. Now, you guys who obviously know far more than I do about IPFS, please tell me the merits. I'm sure our listeners want to know.
0: The merits uh, of IPFS? Oh, I don't
2: know. Mike knows this, right? Yeah. There, there are very many benefits of IPFS. Mainly, it easily allows you to download the hash and store it on your own node. So if you see a video that you like or a, a book you like, you can put that on your computer and you can have that there you know, as long as your computer works. So no one can take it down, can't be censored.
0: Well, can which I, is pretty can I- cool. Can I elaborate on that? Because from my understanding, sure. my, I, I'm, not, I'm not a programmer or developer by any means, but I did tinker with IPFS. I did upload a few images on IPFS. In fact, my my uh, cryptocurrency chat token has an IPFS image attached to that. I, I Once I uploaded my image into IPFS, IPFS has since taken it, that image and distributed it worldwide. For other, other peers manage that image as well and they distribute it back into the, uh, the user's uh, um, display. So once it's uploaded, I can shut down my IPFS node and it's already on uh, out in the internet. Yes. So technically my computer can crash. I can have it shut down. Once my image is already in the internet, that's it.
2: Not, not necessarily, because your image is fighting for space with every other image. And if no other servers wanna pin your image, Over time, it'll decay. So if no one's pinning it and then you go to look at what it was, it won't show what it was or show Mm -hmm. what it is.
0: Okay.
2: But if you have enough distribution, that shouldn't be a problem. That's one of the really good benefits of Ravencoin is it keeps the fresh hash, or sorry, hash fresh.
1: (laughs) Interesting. Uh, This is definitely more, I mean, I Probably trying to save a lot of this information for the Friday show, but I'm sure a little taste isn't going to uh, offend <laughs> the listeners as to the the intimate knowledge that Mike has on. Uh, on definitely back,
0: definitely definitely come back for Friday's episode. You're going to love it, Kryptonites. You're going to love it. Um, with that said, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, just before we start talking a little too much, um, let's go ahead and close this out, uh, Mike. Do you have any kind of social media you wanna you wanna uh, shout out and get connected with other crypto cryptonauts out there?
2: Um, or do you wanna stay not anonymous. Really.
1: Not
0: really.
2: Okay. <laughs> yeah, not really.
0: We'll talk about it on Friday. How about that? Cool.
2: That sounds good, man. Thanks right, for having Mike. me on.
1: So
0: there you go, Mike. Uh, Jake Jabbrelli, obviously he's been on the podcast many times. You can hit him up on Jake what is it? Jake Jabrelli.com.
1: Yep, jabberelli.com. Not Jake Jabarelli, just jabrelli.com. You can also find me Jabarelli. on jabbrelli on library. And, of course, Jake Jabberelli on YouTube. And And with uh, that... Yeah, go right ahead. (laughs) That's fine.
0: (laughs) All right, Kryptonauts. With that said, it was an awesome episode. Thank you, Jake. Thank you, Mike. We're out of here. Stack your sats and hodl. Adios.